Are we on? Testing one, two. Always see Ryan do this. It's off of mute, and it should be turned on. Any luck? Well, while they're checking on that, that'll give me a chance to put my notes in order. I went through last service. <clears throat> Can you hear me yet? Yes? Okay. Good, good, good. All right. I went through the last service, and uh, I hope I don't get these out of order. You'll have a very confusing sermon if I do. <clears throat> I kind of feel like uh, I'm, uh, I'm the B team, second string quarterback time, you know, because we got two starters right here on the front row, and uh, <laughs> amen. And I feel like, uh, you know, I ought to just yield to them because they're the experts, and uh, I'm, I'm very humbled to be able to be brought before you today to deliver this message. And, you know, in my opinion, uh, we've been blessed at this church, at First Baptist Church, these last 14 months with some of the best preaching that's ever been heard from this platform. Uh, Amen. The authority and insights that Pastor Ryan and Pastor Rod bring each week from the scriptures, they're such a blessing to my life as I'm sure they are to yours. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to hear the Lord, uh, to hear them open the word of God and pour forth into our lives what the Lord would have us hear. Uh, amen. I heard that. Need to find that amen corner as we move into the sermon today. Uh, now, I know that Ryan and Rod have been leading a marriage retreat this weekend. Uh, they're both here, so I see they survived and are successful, which is good. But this reminds me of something I heard recently, that there's a new store open in New York City where women can go and shop for a husband. And one young lady parked in the garage and was given a card which described her options. There are six floors. You may shop on any floor, but you may not go back down once you've decided to go up a floor. So she gets on the elevator and is taken to the first floor where she's told all these men have jobs. That's a pretty low bar. She decided to try one more floor where she's told at the second floor that all these men have jobs and love kids. <laughs> well, <clears throat> she's getting somewhere. She decides I'm going to go one more floor. At the third floor, she's told these men all have jobs, love kids, and help with the housework. Now she's getting somewhere. <laughs> but she decides to keep going, goes to the fourth floor. And there she's told that these men all have jobs, love kids, help with housework, and are extremely good looking. Now that's got her attention, but she's wondering what more could be available. So she decides to move on to the fifth floor, where she's told that all of the men on this floor have jobs, love kids, help with housework, are extremely good-looking, and have a romantic streak. Wow, what could be better, right? Well, she decides, I'm going for the best, and she moves on up to the sixth floor. At the sixth floor, she's handed a card as the elevator opens, which reads, congratulations, you are the 31,456,297th customer that has arrived at this floor, which only exists to prove that women are never satisfied. <laughs> you may use this card to return to the parking garage. 
Oh, my goodness. Now, I've already made enemies of half the people in this room, so forgive me. It's just a, just a story, right? Well, as you're aware, we're in a series titled Free that leads us through the book of Galatians. And the passage today may be a little more familiar than some of the passages we've seen because it deals with the characteristics of people who are either living in the flesh or living in the spirit. And I'm willing to bet you can figure out pretty easily which direction you're going to be encouraged to follow. So let's call on the Lord once again to be in our midst and teach us from his word today. May we pray. Heavenly Father, I stand before you humble and pray, God, that your spirit would be in our midst, be in our mind, be in our hearts. Lead God and direct us to the words of life found in your book. Help us, Father, to see Jesus and to lift him up. For it's in his name I pray. Amen. The title of today's message that I want to share with you is, What's Your Superpower? Have you ever watched a Marvel Comics movie and thought to yourself, what if I had that kind of power? <laughs> if I could just be the Hulk for a day, man, I could straighten some things out. I can remember as a kid tying on a bath towel and pretending I could fly just like Superman. How many of you have ever done that? Some of you have. Some of you are old enough, yeah? Okay. Well, surveys have shown that if you could have a superpower, here's what some people would choose. The ability to fly, just like Superman. Jump up, go for it. That would be a great superpower to have. What, what about teleportation? The ability to move from one place to another at the same time period. That would be interesting. Time travel. The ability to go back in time or even to move forward in time. Some of you may have this superpower, talking to animals. If you have pets, some of you understand what they're saying, right? So you're almost like Dr. Doolittle. How about this? Omnilingualism, the ability to speak in any language. That would be pretty unique to have. They could have used that at the Tower of Babel, right? We've seen movies about the superpower of invisibility, the invisible man, and the invulnerability superpower, just like the Hulk. He can't be destroyed. This would be neat to have. What about the power to heal? And then you could take the word super and just add descriptive adjectives, super endurance, super strength, super intelligence, super speed like the flash, and on and on. And then finally, the last one I'll mention is immortality, the ability to live forever. And I'll have something more to say about this a little bit later. And we've all seen the movies and, and, and shows where people have these and other abilities and powers. And sometimes, if you're like me, we put ourselves into the place of the character that can do all these kinds of amazing things. What would that be like, right? Have you ever thought about it? What if you couldn't control your superpower? Would you get tired of it? Would you be satisfied with only one of these superpowers? It's kind of far-fetched to believe that we could actually be gifted with supernatural abilities and strengths that surpass our own inherent behaviors and characters. I mean, come on. Let's be real about this. Well, today, I've got some good news and some bad news. First, the bad news. Chances are slim to none that you will ever have a superpower. <laughs> I'm sorry to burst your bubble. It's just not going to happen. 
But now for the good news. The truth of the matter is that for the child of God, we are gifted by the Holy Spirit with supernatural qualities that Scripture calls the fruit of the Spirit. Let's read about that in our text for today, Galatians 5, 16 through 26. You can follow along on the screen. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Here, Paul speaks of the desires of the Spirit as being opposed to the desires of the flesh. Now, the desires of the flesh are those things that really come natural to us in our sin nature. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, dissensions, divisions, and things like these. The problem is we don't have to be taught how to behave this way because it's a part of our nature. It's a part of the sin that's in our life. We're sinful. Everyone in this room is a sinner, me included. And there are spiritual laws against these kinds of things. In verse 24 of our passage, Paul urges us. He says, crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. Well, I'm not going to dwell on these sinful nature things, the flesh, the desires of the flesh today. Instead, I want to take a closer look at the person and work of the Holy Spirit who supplies us with godly desires, supplies us with those qualities and characteristics that serve to build up the body of Christ. And hopefully we can clear up some of the questions that, that you might have concerning the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Is the Holy Spirit available to only a few Christians? Is there anything I have to do to receive the Holy Spirit? Is that what they call the second blessing? So the first question is, who is the Holy Spirit anyway? Well, the Bible teaches that God is three persons in one, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son all share in the same attributes. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is eternal. He doesn't have a beginning or an end. We read about that in Hebrews 9. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The Holy Spirit here is called eternal. 
That means he has no beginning and no end. In Luke 1, we read about the Holy Spirit being omnipotent, having all power. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The Holy Spirit is also omnipresent. He is everywhere at the same time. Psalmist said in 139, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? The psalmist could go anywhere and find that the Spirit of God is already there. And then we also read in 1 Corinthians 2 that the Holy Spirit is omniscient. Omniscience means that he knows all things. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit is omniscience. He knows all things. That's a scary thought, isn't it? The Holy Spirit knows what you're thinking. He knows what's in your heart without you even speaking it. But let's look at the personality of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people for a limited time or for a specific purpose. Exodus 31 tells us this, the Lord said to Moses, see I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, and the tribe of Judah. And I filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, to work in every craft. So Bezalel was called to carry out the work to build the tabernacle in the wilderness. And he was given the ability to be a craftsman beyond measure and beyond compare. And it was because the Holy Spirit gifted him with these powers. And then in Numbers 24, we read about Balaam. And Balaam lifted up his eyes and saw Israel camping tribe by tribe. And the Spirit of God came upon him. And this was for a limited time for a specific purpose. But in the New Testament, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. Here in the Gospel of John in chapters 14 through 16, Christ describes the Holy Spirit as a person with intellect, with emotion, with will, his presence within every believer is Jesus' provision for his followers alone. He comes alongside to advise, to exhort, to comfort, strengthen, to intercede, to encourage us. You see, the Holy Spirit is Jesus' gift, and he makes it possible for Jesus to be in and with each of us. John 14, 16 and 17. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So even more good news is that every believer has the Holy Spirit living within you to empower you for the Christian life. Friends, you're not alone. You don't have to do this life in your own strength. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. 
I get tired of trying to be good all the time. But the Holy Spirit empowers me to represent him with what's uh, his, his fruit and his character in my life. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit in the believer. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his followers to wait for the Holy Spirit. And this began a fulfillment of his promises about the Holy Spirit that he gave in the Gospel of John. So from that time until now, every believer shares in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians 6 that he dwells within you. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So the Holy Spirit dwells within the believer. He seals us in Christ, Ephesians 1. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So not only does the Holy Spirit dwell within us, he seals us, he assures us of salvation. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Do you ever doubt? Am I going to make it? Am I really a child of God? Well, the Holy Spirit assures us of our salvation. He assures us that we are children of God. John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit helps us grasp the truth of Scripture. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He also empowers us to live the Christian life. According to Romans 8, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So the Holy Spirit empowers us to live the Christ life. You don't have to do it on your own. Galatians, our passage today, talks about how the Holy Spirit develops fruit in our lives. But the fruit of the Spirit... Can you say it with me? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The Holy Spirit also gives us gifts for serving others. 1 Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So the Spirit gifts the body for service to build up one another. 
There are many other things in Scripture we can read about that the Holy Spirit does. We read in John 16 that he convicts people of sin. When he comes, that's the Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So the Holy Spirit is an agent convicting people of their sin. In John 3, we read the Holy Spirit gives new life to those who trust in Jesus, which is me and you if you've trusted in Jesus. In John 3, verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes or from where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks, Acts 13, 2. The Holy Spirit, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us in prayer. According to Romans 8, 26, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. Have you ever gotten to the point where you were just broken, didn't know how to pray, didn't know what to say? If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is right there interceding on your behalf with groanings too deep for words. He's seen as guiding in John 16. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And then he commands in Acts 16, we read, and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they came up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So the Holy Spirit guides and commands. He leads, Romans 8, for we are led by the Spirit of God. And he gives us power to be the witnesses that Christ wants us to be. Acts 1.8, you probably know this passage from memory. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, it's the believer's responsibility. It's your responsibility and mine to submit to the, the will of the Holy Spirit. And our choice to do that seriously impacts our spiritual growth and our relationship with God. The Bible teaches we are baptized through the Holy Spirit when we become believers. As we read a few moments ago in John 14, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the truth we learn from this is the Holy Spirit permanently indwells every believer. He doesn't come and go. He's not here one day and gone the next. The Holy Spirit is a constant presence in our lives. He's come to stay with every believer. We don't have to pray like David did, Pastor Rod read in, in our passage earlier in Psalm 51, where he said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. 
David didn't have what you have the ability to do today, and that's to have the Holy Spirit with you at all times. So we then have the opportunity and a responsibility to be filled with the Holy Spirit, yielding daily to his control. Paul, writing in a, another letter to the church at Ephesus, says this in Ephesians 5:18, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, the Greek language used here actually reads, be being filled or continuously be filled with the Spirit. It's an ongoing action, not a one-time thing. It's not something, it's one and, one and done that we do and, and didn't just forget about, but daily we are to yield ourselves to the filling of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I don't know that I do that all the time. But God wants to have control in our hearts and our lives. He wants us to be his ambassadors. He wants us to represent him. And he's given his spirit so that we might do that. Paul admonishes in our passage today, the church in Galatia, to walk in the spirit in verse 16. To live by the spirit. Keep in step with the spirit in verse 24. So that tells me, and it should tell you, that we need to figure out how to do that. So let's look further at how to live our lives under this supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit it shows itself by the fruit of the Spirit, that's what we're told, and the gifts of the Spirit. Now let's stop and consider how fruit is produced. I brought with me a bowl of fruit today. Uh, lemon, orange, what's that? Right? What about this one? This is somebody's favorite fruit. Avocado's fruit. You didn't know that? There's a banana. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is something that is demonstrated by this bowl of fruit right here. I have a friend who recently moved to Florida, and he found that there are lemon trees in his yard. They produce lots of fruit. What kind of fruit do you think these lemon trees produce? <laughs> Lemons. Lots of lemons. <laughs> they make lemonade, lemon pies, lemon tarts, lemon curd pudding, lemon marmalade. I could go on and on. And they give baskets of lemons away to their friends and their neighbors. Now, let me ask you this. What if these trees also produced another kind of fruit? Let's say bananas. It's impossible, right? That's not likely to happen. But what if you could find a fruit tree that could produce different types of fruit all off of one tree. Would that be something you would be interested in having in your yard? I know I would. Keep me from having to make too many trips to the grocery store. Well, as a child of God, if you're walking in the Spirit, believe it or not, you can be like that tree that can produce different types of fruit. How can that be? Can my life be characterized by more than love? Can it be characterized by love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? You might say, well, Eddie, that's not me. I can't display these kind of things in my life. And I would agree with you. You can't. You can't do it in your own strength. 
But can we begin to see how the Holy Spirit provides these qualities to show forth from your life? Let's look at the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit. As the Holy Spirit develops our understanding of God, we grow toward maturity, and the result will be what the Scripture passage today describes as fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Dr. Billy Graham puts it this way. Listen to this. All Christians should be marked by all the fruit of the Spirit. Put in the simplest terms, the Bible tells us we need the Spirit to bring fruit into our lives because we cannot produce godliness apart from the Spirit. In our own selves, we're filled with all kinds of self-centered and self-seeking desires which are opposed to God's will for our lives, end quote. Well, in addition to the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives every believer at least one gift with which to encourage and strengthen the church. All gifts are not the same, but they all have the same purpose, and that is to unite and to build up the body of Christ, the church. And Paul tells us to desire these gifts. Scriptures enumerate the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We read, I'm going to read three passages to you today. The first one's in Romans 12. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, to the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. 1 Corinthians 12 lists more gifts of the Spirit. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues or languages, to another the ability to interpret these languages or tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And then the last passage I'll read is Ephesians 4. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Now, we'll leave the study of the gifts of the Spirit to another day, but just to say this by way of explanation again from Dr. Billy Graham. These gifts come to us from the Holy Spirit. He chooses who gets which gifts. He dispenses them at his good pleasure. While we're held accountable for the use of any gifts he gives us, we have no responsibility for gifts we've not been given, nor are we to covet what someone else has or be envious of that person. We may wish to have certain gifts and even ask for them, but if it is not the will of the Holy Spirit, we will not get what we ask for. And if we're dissatisfied because the Holy Spirit doesn't give us the gifts we want, we sin, end quote. Well, the Holy Spirit speaks today. As you continue to learn about the reality of the Holy Spirit in your life, 
don't be discouraged if you don't understand how the Holy Spirit does his work or how God can be three persons in one. See, God is too big uh, to be fully understood by the human mind. We just can't put the holy, infinite, all-powerful God into a box. However, he wants you and me to understand as much as we can. And he's already taken the initiative to reveal himself to you with the goal of becoming an intimate part of your life. He will continue to take that initiative. He's given you, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit, the omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present Spirit of God to live in your heart and life. It's within this context of relationship that you can develop a fuller and more meaningful understanding of God. Now, the Holy Spirit works in many different ways. He can cause a particular scripture to speak to your heart. He also speaks through other Christians. He will speak through that quiet voice that sometimes you think of as your conscience. And don't just listen, but do what he says. The steps I've shared today will help you as you work through the process of knowing and maturing in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You might say, Pastor Eddie, you, you sure used a lot of scripture references today. What's with that? Well, friends, it's the word of God that will stand through time. My words don't amount to a hill of beans. But Jesus says in Luke 21, 33, heaven and earth may pass away, but my word shall never pass away. The words that are found in scripture are life itself. Let me ask you this. If you've never explored what it means to find the deep satisfaction and purpose in a relationship with Christ, I encourage you to do that now. You tired of trying to be good? Don't you just wish you could be free from the guilt that seems to suck the life out of you? Are you ready to find that supernatural freedom that's available in a relationship with Christ? He loves you. Friend, he died for you. He died so that you could have an abundant life today and forever. And I would be happy to talk with you further, as would Pastor Ryan and Rod, Pastor Joaquin. You can talk to God right where you are. Ask him to forgive you of your sin. Accept the free gift of eternal life offered through faith in Christ. And when you've done that, tell somebody else. Tell somebody that Jesus has done a work in you. Now, if you've already turned your life over to Christ, make your relationship with him primary in your life. Put him in the number one spot. We read in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If you've committed your life to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you have already received the Holy Spirit. Be confident of this. Know that the power and strength and ability of the Holy Spirit is already in you and with you. Walk in confidence of God's Word. What God's Word says is truth. You can't improve on it. You can't deny it. Renounce your own way. Surrender daily to the Holy Spirit. This will involve obedience and faith more often than feeling. 
Both of these things, obedience and faith, come from knowing the Scriptures. Regularly spend time in God's Word. Review the Scriptures. Read those things that have to do with the Holy Spirit. I've just touched the tip of the iceberg today. Think about what each verse means in your life. In addition, studying with a more mature Christian uh, will help you, or even in a small group study, I know that many of you are already involved, this will allow you to develop a stronger foundation. Look for evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life and allow him to identify areas in which he is working or would like to be working. Seek to exhibit and cultivate the fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You ready to live daily in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit? Allow his fruit to shine and manifest through you and how you treat others, how you live your life every day. People are looking for hope. They're looking for something more to this life. You have the ability to let Jesus share his love through you, to share patience, to share kindness. We see enough short tempers and hatred, you know, in different places. Let your own lives be a light for Christ. And you can do that through the power and indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Jesus says, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. And friends, that's a whole lot better than immortality. Let's pray together. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Heavenly Father, we turn to you. We ask you, Father, to reveal yourself to us, to show yourself to be real, to open the eyes of our heart. Father, I pray that we would yield our lives to the control and filling of your Holy Spirit so that we may walk in the supernatural and not walk in discouragement and defeat. Lord, may we find the victory that's ours through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the blessed cross of Christ, whose name we pray, amen.